running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's going on, folks? Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. Uh, I'm your host, James Clark, and with me is Mr. Dominic Stern. We are suffering through this Padres season as the team has just epically collapsed. Um, currently sit 77 and 75. Two games above 500, Dominic. I mean, two games. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. The, the laughing is, is going to come naturally because I'm, I'm a lifelong San Diegan sports, sports fan. And, you know, all I know is to do is just laugh in miserable times like this. So you're going to hear a lot of giggling from me and laughing. And it's, don't take any disrespect to that. I'm, I'm suffering just like you are. But that's just my way of dealing with it, I guess. Uh, I don't think Dominic's at that point yet. He's still pretty angry. So, Dominic, how, how are you feeling? I feel upset. You know, the uh, this was supposed to be the year, and it felt like the year. And all the people are talking about, well, since uh, the, the date that's been thrown out has been August 11th because that was the day the Padres were coming off four straight wins. They had a four-and-a-half game lead over the second spot in the wild card. August 11th was the day that Ryan Weathers – started against the Marlins and he got crushed and the Padres got shut out by Sandy Alcantara. August 11th was also the date that I departed from San Diego and came out to Arizona. So uh, I, I can look back on it and say, well, it was such an awesome summer. The moment I left, this team was a disaster and I got to enjoy it while it was still good. But at the same time, it's just devastating seeing these other fan bases. Like my roommates, a Red Sox fan and, his Red Sox are currently on a big winning streak and they're looking like they're going to make the playoffs. I have a ton of other friends, Giants fans, Dodgers fans out here, Arizona state that are just living it up because their team's doing well. And my team was supposed to be better or just as good as a lot of these teams and the Potters, they've just been horrible as of late. And all my friends have gotten to see me just night after night watching the games or not watching the games and just so upset at the result because this team is way too talented to be playing like this. But there's a lot of issues with this team. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, well, it's probably for the best. Well, yeah, that's true, but that doesn't change the fact that the Potters were 17 games over 500 less than a month and a half ago. And they were in danger in extra innings against the best team of baseball. And if they lost that game on Thursday, they were 500. So it's been an epic collapse. It's been tough every single night knowing that that's uh, been the result. And it's really hard to like keep that optimistic feeling going forward because you see the Dodgers and the Giants are just clearly more well-run than the Padres. And you say, well, got to compete with those guys every year. 
Yeah. I mean, and we knew coming in that it was going to be difficult for the Padres to make a play, uh, make the playoffs other than probably a wild card spot. Um, but like you, like you mentioned a month and a half ago, two months ago, we were all planning out, uh, you know, at least a one game, one game wild card, you know, just not, not even making the playoffs is the biggest disappointment to me. I mean, I, I don't want to say I, I, I thought that this team was a world series champion can, could contend with the upper echelon teams the way they were constructed, but I did think that they were for sure a playoff team. I, I did think that we would have playoff baseball for in back-to-back years in San Diego for the first time in a long time. And that just is not going to happen. I mean, they're still mathematically capable <laughs> of coming back, but you had to jump three teams. The Cardinals are on fire. I mean, it's just, it, it's not happening. There's so many injuries with this team. I I just have to take a deep breath because this, this has been really overwhelming. You can, you can sense the stress in the front office. Uh, we're seeing the repercussions of their failures, if you will, uh, as the minor league system is being cleansed you have to wonder what they're going to do about the major league failures because Sam Ganey and Mark Connor have nothing to do with the failures of this team currently right now. You can't put the blame on them. So where are we at Dominic? What's, what's going to happen next? I'm I've honestly heard rumors from insiders, if you will, that Jace Tingler is, is going to be let go or, or demoted at the very least and I, I, I don't know if that's because he's going to be the scapegoat for the failures, or if that's who does who who to blame. I mean, injuries, yes, are an issue, but the just the chemistry has really gone down on this team, and you got to wonder what that is about. Right. Well, it became very evident uh, during the weekend against the Cardinals that it seems like Jace Tingler hasn't been as good of a leader, and he lost the clubhouse per se. That's what was written in the Union Tribune and in The Athletic by, I think, Kevin A.C. and then Dennis Lynn at The Athletic. So, I mean, that that became very evident. And it seemed to me at that point that it didn't really matter how the rest of the season played out. The Potters were going to have to move on from Jace Tingler. It just wasn't working out in his experience head coaching and not even as a player. It just didn't fit well with this team. And that's obviously unfortunate because I think a lot of Potters fans – we're sold on Jace Tingler after after the 2020 season, after a lot of people, myself included, wanted to go to a veteran manager after they fired Andy Green, but that didn't work out. And then we got to say proven wrong when Jace Tingler led the Padres to the third best record in baseball, obviously a shortened 60 game season. But then this year happens after the Padres are doing really well, everything at the trade deadlines, a total mess. And then, uh, the team falls apart shortly thereafter. So it it's frustrating, but I do think Tingler's got to go, uh, whether or not he stays within the Padres, because he's obviously a very good friend of AJ Preller. And they're talking about it just a couple of weeks ago. They're asking AJ Preller on the field, like, is Jace Tingler's job safe? Preller said, I want Jace to be the manager of this team for the next 10 years. So it's going to be a tough decision for him, especially an emotional decision. He's clearly a good friend of Jace Tingler, but Preller's got to do what is best for his job sake, because you know what, if he keeps Tingler around and all of a sudden the Potters don't keep winning, I mean, Preller's gone. That's the reality of the situation. And it's hard to believe like how disappointing of a season this has been, 
but it's far and away the best regular season in a full 162 game season during the AJ Preller era. So uh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff wrong within the Padres right now at the coaching level. The talent's clearly there. We saw last year, Will Myers was an MVP candidate. Didn't have that same year this year. Trent Grisham was one of the best center fielders in baseball, won a gold glove and was a well above average hitter. He wasn't that this year. Wasn't nearly as good in the field. He's obviously battled some injuries and he's been a slightly below average hitter this year. Eric Hosmer, he's hit decently well for average, but that's been about it. Not a whole lot of extra base hits, not a lot of home runs. One of the highest ground ball rates in the league after 2020 shortened season, he was launching the ball and the results were obviously much better because ground balls, they just don't work now in the era of the shift and whatnot. So it's, it's concerning. I think a lot of this comes down to the coaching staff. Damien Easley is definitely gone. I thought the Potters should have fired him a couple of weeks ago if they wanted any shot at making the playoffs, but they didn't do that. They instead chose to fire the pitching coach, which was fine. The starting pitching staff immediately got better as soon as that happened. So you can point to that and say that was a good move, but there's just a lot wrong. I think a lot of it's coaching and we talked about it. Like part of the reason the 2020 Padres were better than the Padres were in the past was because we thought the coaching staff was a lot better. And once again, we were proven wrong, just kind of showing that that 60 game season, that's why baseball is not played in a 60 game season. It's 162 games and just frustrating because we all bought into what the Padres were doing. And we've always been a fan base that has had low expectations and that's just made watching baseball fun. But the one year everyone came in with expectations like, hey, we can win a World Series this year. Potters are now fighting to stay over 500 in the end after a promising start. Yeah, 500 doesn't even look like uh, it's achievable at this point with the the three series that they have left with teams that are battling for their playoff spots. I mean, this has been an epic failure. Um, You mentioned the fact that this uh, 77 and 75 current season is the best season, full season in the A.J. Preller regime, at what point do the failures of this team fall upon A.J. Preller's shoulders? Uh, I'm writing something uh, on that right now, and it's interesting when you think about it. Andy Green was fired for far less than what Jace Tingler is producing right now. Uh, Both were handpicked by Preller. There's the numerous amount of young players like Cal Quantrill that are really starting to develop on other teams' rosters. There's there's every right for, for people to question what's going on with this team. Um, let me be the first to say that I love A.J. Preller. I, I, I wouldn't let go of him now. I don't think that's the time. But – the seat is starting to get hot. It's starting to get warm. It's pressure is going to start to fall upon his shoulders for the major league evaluations for the major league moves that he's made. Not for the minor league system because the minor league system is still flourishing. They're still producing. There's still a number of players that are at the major league level that are producing. Unfortunately, they're not in a Padre uniform, but I mean, we're talking about Quantrill, Franmil, Urias, Ty France, Eric Lauer, those are homegrown Padres that are producing now at the major league level. Unfortunately, they were trade for other players. Some worked out, some didn't. That's just the nature of the beast. But Dominic, at what point do we start to really 
consider if AJ Preller is the right man for this job because you know the Padres are invested long term. Tatis is going to be here for a dozen or so years. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I think that there is a lot to be skeptical about because the one good season the Padres have had under him was the 60 game season. And then to start this year and it's been a complete collapse. So I think there is some room for concern. Uh, A lot of, he's had a lot of really good moves. Obviously you think of the Jake Cronenworth deal that obviously also brought in Tommy Pham, the Fernando Tatis Jr. Trade signing Manny Machado. Like he's done a lot of good things for this Padres team trading for Joe Musgrove, who is now the ace of the team. And they didn't buy high on him. It wasn't like you Darvish or Blake Snell where they bought high, but there's also some really, really bad trades in there. And some of them have been killed due to injuries, but you look at that Mariners trade and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is an awful trade. So there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical. The farm system is nowhere near what it once was. He didn't really have any other choice, but to trade a lot of those guys, but a lot of the guys he traded away are now really good for other teams. And some of the guys that they acquired aren't good. The trade deadline in 2020 looks like a complete and utter disaster. Uh, just about everyone acquired there has been awful. And, you know, Clevenger, one of the best pitchers in baseball, he gets hurt. That, of course, is just a killer because you acquire him knowing that he has some uh, controllability. And then obviously you lose that year. There's nothing you can really do there, but we've talked about it. There was writing on the wall there that a playoff team is trading one of their best pitchers uh, in the middle of a playoff race. Like that should send off a red flag at least, but (laughs) there, there have been a lot of bad trades, but some of his good trades are carrying this team and he's going to need to hit on some other trades or just hope that, whatever moves the giants and the Dodgers make this off season when they have several impending free agents don't go well. And if this past off season for the giants was any indication, they're probably not going to miss. Like they brought in a ton of guys who have been extremely productive for them, claiming guys off waivers and sending other guys in like really small one, one for one trades. And the guys are sending off stink. The guys they're acquiring like Lamont Wade jr. All of a sudden turn into these immortal gods. Like, so we, we haven't really seen any of that from the San Diego Padres. I think Jake Cronenworth is the exception. Trent Grisham last year, uh, Jerickson Profar last year. It, it's concerning, definitely. I think Preller gets another shot, but he's got very little room for error, and he can't just keep getting these freebies. The people who bought in AJ Preller, we trust shirts before any of this stuff ever really happened. I thought that that was really dumb, and now it looks really dumb because – if you look back on it and you have that shirt and AJ Preller brings you one winning season in his tenure. And that was the shortened season during a pandemic where there are no fans. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really disappointing, but yeah. I, I agree with you. I think Preller stays, he's going to get another shot at hiring a manager if Tingler goes, but uh, all of his hires have been train wrecks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a results based business. This is major league baseball. This is, it is a business and ultimately that will determine someone's fate. Uh, You know, the failures are are there, but, but we still have to commend him for turning around this absolute disaster of a franchise because they were a a disaster before he took over in, in late 2014 uh, and, and the, towards the 2015 season, he made San Diegans 
be proud of the Padres, have pride about being a Padres fan, being able to cultivate fans from around the country has come because of his excitement that he's brought to the game and to the San Diego Padres. So we need to commend him for that. That's That's been excellent. The farm system is still developing. It's still producing. Again, it's about major league evaluation. It's about signing the right free agents. It's about trading for the right players and, and holding on to your prospects who you value and who you think can take it to the next level. And, and that's ultimately what's going to cost him his job. Uh, this team needs to make the playoffs next year. If they do not make the playoffs in 2022, AJ Preller is going to be in, in, in deep shit. I mean, that, that there's no way around it. They, they are built to win. Now I wouldn't expect this team to tear anything down. They have the foundation, the cornerstones to build around. Preller's going to have to be creative to to possibly move Hosmer and 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 gain some financial flexibility if he can. But they they need to win now. They're built to win now. Their pitching is it needs to be upgraded. There's minor upgrades that need to be done. Health is a major issue for this team moving forward. But if they do not win in 2022, if they do not make the playoffs, I'm not saying they need to win the World Series because that's that's impossible to predict or impossible to say a team has to win the world series, but they, this team has to make the playoffs, right? Dominic, they, they have to make the playoffs next year. Yeah. I mean, I think you do. And at some point, like you said, it, it's a result-based industry, but it's also just a business. You know, yeah. Peter Seidler gave the green light to AJ Preller after a pandemic season in which they didn't really, or in which they lost money to go out and spend more money, go bring in some pitchers, who are going to increase the payroll, go sign Hassan Kim, who's going to increase the payroll, sign Jerickson Profar to a three-year extension that's going to increase the payroll to try and win. And that's not what the team did. Now, granted, attendance at Petco Park was at an all-time high this year, but the Potters, they're not going to get to host a playoff game. And the, the gate revenue for the teams is basically how owners make a ton of money, that and the TV deals. But yeah. Seidler's not getting any of that because the team's not going to win. So, I mean, it's been pretty well documented, the relationship that Seidler and Preller have, and it's a very good relationship. But at the same time, I don't think a good relationship is going to keep Preller the job if Preller's not getting Seidler his playoff money or any of that stuff. So uh, season ticket prices went up, and as soon as that happened, the Potters just utterly fell apart. So, uh, you know, you you can't, people aren't going to want to renew their season tickets if Adrian Peller is still the GM of this team and the Padres don't make it to the playoffs next year. Like that's just not how it's going to work. You so don't, you, don't any, you don't see any of those, uh, those commercials about the uh, playoffs, uh, get your playoff priority. If you're in, in, in season tickets for next year, I mean, they, they the, the Padres are just marketing disaster, if you will, just public relation disaster. I mean, they were forcing people to, well, I shouldn't say forcing, but they were suggesting that people get their tickets now or they won't have priority for the playoffs this year. And they were doing that in, in the middle of the season before the season was over. And look what happened. So, I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just frustrated, Dominic, because like we all envisioned at least one playoff game for this team to just further fuel the excitement about this franchise. And we're getting 
the exact opposite. We're getting Machado and Tatis at each other's throat in the dugout. L- let's move on to that. What 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 do you make of that and the discussion they had with the media the next day or the day after when they came home and uh, Manny Machado basically uh, explained the situation, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it was good for them to come out and be on the record about it. And it was basically what anyone who had played baseball or knows anything about baseball determined it to be. Like, hey, Manny was coaching up Fernando. Tensions are high with the team because the team's falling apart. They care. At the end of the day, they care. A lot of people have said, well, these guys, they just gave up. No, they didn't. Stop. Stop with that. Like, it's these guys' job to go out and play baseball and try and win games for the ball club and make it to the postseason so that way they can win a championship. Like, the only guy basically on this team who's been a big part of winning their team's championship is Eric Hosmer. I think that carries a lot of weight, and that's part of the reason why he's so respected in the clubhouse. There's some other guys on that team, Drew Pomeranz, and I and Daniel Hudson, uh, they, they won postseason. They won in the World Series, but Hudson, he would come in and pitch one inning a game. Drew Pomerantz wasn't really a big part of that 2018 Red Sox team, but they were there. But Manny, he's been in the league for now, I think, eight years. He still doesn't have a ring. He wants to win one, and San Diego is basically the last shot that he's going to have one. He signed a 10-year deal. He does have that opt-out, but... I don't think he's going to want to use that unless he absolutely has to. And the only way that he's going to not want to use the opt-out is if him and Fernando are continuing to play and play well and do well on the field. And he's offering up a lesson to the 22-year-old stud. So tensions got high. That happens. It also seems like Bobby Dickerson was angering Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, and this all, I think, also stems from Fernando Tatis Jr. playing in the outfield earlier. Uh, he's made it abundantly clear ever since Jake Cronenworth got hurt. Uh, he's not back, of course, but then Fernando Tatis Jr. went and played shortstop for a little bit. That shortstop's where he wants to be. And if you're a $340 million player who you've signed for a 14-year contract this offseason says he wants to play shortstop, guess where you're playing him? You're playing him at shortstop. So I don't know how that overwent the coaching staff. Uh, I mean. They were trying to keep Fernando Tatis Jr. healthy and whether or not you agree with putting him in the outfield does that or not, that's what they're trying to do. They're keeping his health and personal interest long-term at the forefront. But when he comes out and says, I want to play shortstop, I don't want to play outfield, you have to honor that. And then you throw him out in center field the next game and he drops a fly ball in the first inning and then throws the ball home when he can throw the ball to either second or third and get an easy force out. You give up a run, but you at least still get the out. And then maybe the Cardinals don't have as big of a rally and you somehow win that game. Don't get swept by the Cardinals, stop their winning streak. And maybe you're still in it. It's just mind boggling uh, how poorly managed this last month and a half has been. And that I think is part of what stemmed between Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Yelling in the dugout. So uh, there's, there's been a lot going wrong ever, ever since the trade deadline. And uh, it, it hit a boiling point in St. Louis. Yeah, the frustration is huge, is is a big factor for what we're seeing in the play of this team. I mean, they're frustrated. They expected to be in the playoffs like the fans. They expected the way things were going for it to continue to go that way. They, they're just not consistent right now. Uh, we're not seeing the consistency, and, and that, that is troubling. 
Um, let's move to Eric Hosmer, who um, seems to be an issue with this team. I, the fans are really, really getting on him now. Um, although, you know, he's been consistently this player the entire time that he's been in San Diego. He's become a, a kind of a poster boy for the frustration of this team. Um, I tweeted something out uh, last, that was a couple of days ago, I guess, um, that I, you know, basically what we've been talking on this podcast, that the, Eric Tra- the Hosmer trade rumors were were potentially what, what killed this chemistry on the clubhouse, just for the fact that Eric Hosmer was, was fed to us as a clubhouse leader. The, you know, never mind what he does on, on the field. This is a guy who in the clubhouse rallies the troops. This is a clubhouse guy, a veteran guy. And he went from that to in and out of the lineup to not even playing. And, and to me, that really does affect the team. That really does affect the players on the team. You, you look at someone like Jake Cronenworth and he sees Eric Hosmer, uh, who's close to 10 and five rights, uh, a veteran, a, a, a World Series uh, winner and you see him go from you know I'm in the lineup every day to have to come into the locker room and check to see if you're on there and that that kind of shakes you up a little it kind of it kind of ruins your job security if you will and puts more pressure on you that you don't necessarily need because baseball is a is a mental game it's it's a game that's played between your heads more more than between your ears more than anything um the feedback that I got from the fans was was kind of crazy because a lot of them thought that I was calling Eric Hosmer a, a clubhouse leader. And I'm not, I'm not calling him that. I'm just saying that that's what he was, that that's what the team fed us. Right. I mean, Dominic, that's what everyone, the, the, when you look at Hosmer, that's what everyone would say prior to this year, that that's a clubhouse leader. I've heard people make the, make the, uh, the, the Hosmer signing out like the Padres signed Steve Garvey in 83, the uh, guy that was transitioning into, into uh, a winning franchise. I've heard people tell me prior to this year that if Eric Hosmer doesn't sign with the Padres, the Padres wouldn't sign Manny Machado. I, I don't know. Those to me, those are crazy, crazy takes. What, what is your, what is your take? Cause I, you know, I've, again, I, <laughs> I did not want Eric Cosmer. I was against Eric Cosmer since the very beginning. I, I warned you all of this way back when, when I guaranteed that he wouldn't sign here, was ridiculed by the fan base because I guaranteed that. I had more trust in A.J. Preller at that point in Major League Evaluation. I don't have that trust anymore, so I'm not going to make guarantees like that anymore. Um, give, give me your talk on Hosmer or your thoughts on this because obviously he's – probably 80% not going to be here next year, I would think, right? I, I would like to think that they're going to move on from him, seeing everything that's gone down. But at the same time, you also have to value the fact that these guys that are playing for the Padres are humans. And it has become very evident that the Padres players love Eric Hosmer, the person. And yes. that that needs to be valued at some point. Like I'm not saying that's more valuable than who he is as a player, because who he is as a player has been, other than getting singles consistently has been a dumpster fire and that 
sucks because you know you can live with that if the guy's not making a ton of money. But when you sign him to an eight-year deal that's worth nearly 150 million dollars, that all of a sudden becomes problematic. And Keith Law was saying earlier today on the athletic website that he thinks he he has no idea what the process was of getting Eric Cosmer because it just didn't seem like it fell in line with what Preller was doing prior to that point. So you really don't know what that was here. I I've got the quote right here. Uh, I wonder if Hosmer was him or ownership him, of course, being Preller it's diametrically opposed to anything he's done as GM. As you said, they've acquired in a certain amount of talent through all channels. And I don't think one year of some horrible injury luck should outweigh that the fire Preller camp is extremely reactionary. So that's what Keith law said. Um, and that's kind of what we just said too. Like, I, yeah, I don't think firing Preller is the right thing to do. I mean, you can of course point out his weaknesses, but uh, I think that Hosmer, the player, is not helping the team. But I think Hosmer, the person, the rest of the team likes having there. And I don't think whether or not Hosmer, the player, playing or not consistently, or as much as Hosmer was prior to this year, should impact the rest of the team. Like if he's hurting the team, then he can be in the clubhouse. He can be there as a leader. He can come off the bench, but if he's one of the worst defensive first baseman in the league, if he's striking out consistently and hitting a ton of ground balls consistently, that's another another evaluation issue with Preller because Hosmer had been going downhill. What you need is a right-handed compliment, a right-handed hitter who smashes left-handed pitchers and, and can play uh, for him and instead you get jerks and profar who traditionally has been a weak right-handed hitter so i at this point i, I don't think that's a, that's necessarily an upgrade you might as well leave hosmer in the damn lineup let him go over three and, and ground out twice and and strike out or whatever but at least he won't raise a stink in the clubhouse he has his four gold gloves so he brings his gold glove uh caliber defense to the field yeah, that's whatever right. yeah, um, yeah yeah no but like it, it doesn't make any sense. Like don't take Hosmer around the lineup to put in jerks and profile. That doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't help the team. That doesn't make, that's not an upgrade. That, that, to right. me, that's not an upgrade. Uh, uh, you mentioned Hosmer being si- signed or Hosmer signing with the team as not Preller's um, idea or, or whatever. Potentially, potentially. So, so what are you trying to say? Or are they, are they trying to say that, Ron Fowler wanted to, to write a $177 million check and, and sign this guy. And, and AJ Preller had no say in it at all. I, I don't, I don't, that seems strange to me. That seems contradictory to what we've seen from Preller throughout this whole time that he's been here, but that was early on. I, I don't know if that was the case. Dave Cameron, who was signed by the, the team prior, just prior to, Eric Hosmer signing was adamantly against Hosmer, didn't want anything to do with Hosmer. The team brings in a sabermetric guy like Cameron, and then they sign Hosmer. So I can see there's definitely contradictions, but like those kind of mixed messages are why we are where we are now. We're, are we seeing the ownership battle of the front office? What, what the hell is going on with this team? Because they're not making baseball moves, correct baseball moves. They're just making moves to make moves. And it seems like we're going around and around in a circle and that's not going to win. That's not going to produce winning player, or at least not on the Padres. We're, we're just, it, it's frustrating because this is a team full of free agents and, and, Players acquired by by trade. This isn't a homegrown Padres team. 
besides Denelson Lamette, there's really nobody on this team that's a homegrown Padre. And that's getting frustrating to for me, at least. I, I don't know, Dominic. I, I personally don't care about the homegrown. Obviously, like, it, it's cooler to, like, follow these guys up. But at the end of the day, I just want winning baseball. That's what really matters. But but, uh, but, but when you see Quantrill, Franmil, Urias. Oh, yeah. Hour, it sucks. Mejia, Luis Patino, all, I mean, you, what are you saying? That these guys wouldn't have a spot on the Padres? Or are you saying that they wouldn't have blossomed if they were on the Padres because they Padres can't develop major league players? I mean, where, what are we at here? Where, where are we at? Because Cal Quantrill had finished with the second best ERA in the American league last this year and has been absolutely flat out. What this team needs right now is someone who can go out there and eat innings. And he is not going to come back. He's gone. Right. And Quantrill in the defense, he had a 2.6 ERA as a Padre in 2020. It was very small sample size. He was showing what he was worth. And so, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like trading away these guys and watching them perform elsewhere, it hurts. It hurts knowing what they could have been. And it hurts knowing that what they were advertised is what they've become and it's not with the Padres. And I think that comes back down to some of these guys, it's not like they were traded as prospects. Like Quantrill, he threw 100 innings his rookie year in 2019. He had a 5.16 ERA. But then he comes out and leaves the Padres and all of a sudden he's a stud. That's coaching. That's not player development. That's coaching at the major league level because he. You already alluded to the stretch that he had where he was flashed the dominance. I mean, you look at Kershaw's numbers, you look at Shane Bieber's numbers, you look at anybody's numbers in their first year or two, and they're not going to be solid. There's very few, there's not very few people are Doc Gooden that come out and dominate from the very beginning and then tail off. I mean, those type of players do that. They you either dominate right away and tail off, or you have to get knocked around and learn the game and become a better pitcher. And and they're doing that. Quantrill's doing that. Lauer's doing that. Lucchese even showed that flashes in the Mets with the Mets before he went down. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just frustrated. Um, word just came out that Austin Nola is is going to go under undergo surgery and is out for the year. Um, where where are we at with that? Where is this team at for catcher next year? Is the Luis Camposano era officially started in 2022 because he's performing at the at, at the AAA level? Uh, Austin Nola with a banged up knee going into his, what is he going to be 30 next year? I believe you know a knee problem for a, for a catcher is not ideal. He hasn't exactly performed like he did in Seattle and small sample sizes. I'm just, I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I don't know. Talk to me. What, what, what's going on with the catching situation next year? Yeah. I mean, the catching situations in a lot of limbo because they acquired Victor Caratini this off season to be you Darvish's personal catcher. And he started off fine. Yeah, has he- fallen off ever since then. His numbers are now more towards his career numbers and also the defensive numbers, guy, right? He's a negative. Yeah. War guy. That's negative war. Not good. And Nola because he's had a knee problem, hasn't been able to catch as much as the Padres would have liked him to. Yeah. Which you said a knee problem is not a good problem to have as a catcher. It's the worst thing you could have because you're squatting every single pitch. He's had the knee brace on. It's very apparent. Uh, The thumb issue that, I mean, that was just him trying to put a tag down and the Brandon belt slid and basically knocked the thumb back. Like that's, that's really an unavoidable injury. That's a contact injury. That's a baseball injury. The knee problem 
huge concern. And the bat, it hasn't been as good, especially in the power department. I mean, he hit his second home run of the season and he's had 173 at bats this past weekend. So the power is definitely not what it was flashed in 2019 and 2020. I think that's a pretty big concern because you say, well, we have a catcher who doesn't have a ton of catching experience now has some injury problems. Yeah. And he doesn't hit for that good of power. You're kind of looking at another version of Eric Hosmer here, except the catcher. Yeah. It's and then that, then that Mariner straight is just looking worse and worse. Cause right. Adam, I have no faith in Adams at all, at all. I mean, I understand he looks dominant from time to time. The slider is nasty, but in, in a key situation, I do not want him on the mound. I'm sorry. There, you, you, there's no trust in him at all. If he gets out of an inning, it's after walking two batters and hitting three other. I mean, it's just that that Mariners trade is is. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. We're gonna have to have a poll on which trade is is going to be worse: the Mariners trade or the or the, the the Indians trade for Clevenger because both were just oh, they're just brutal. Um, this turned into an AJ Preller bashing podcast, uh, but you know, I, again, I, I'm going to be the first to say that I love the job that he's done. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to what he has in store. I, it, when you trade a lot, you get beat. You get beat sometimes. That's just how it goes, and especially when you're forced to make trades. The Padres did have 40 man issues with a lot of these guys, Gabe Arias, players like that. They needed to be added to the 40 man roster or needed to be moved, so they were moved. Uh, timing, bad luck has happened to lead to where we are now. I don't think that you can necessarily put 100% of the blame on A.J. Proler, but at this point, it's starting to, to, to go towards him, and that's just the reality of it. I think he would be even the first person to admit that fact, that the pressure is starting to build on him because this team is putting their best foot forward. They're investing money. They have resources. They have players they're just not performing so uh dominic a couple more things before we get out of here any anything uh anything that we need to hit on uh i think we're pretty much hit the nail on the head on the failures of this team it's just it's frustrating for fans and, and that's just naturally what it is right yeah minor league seasons are coming to a close the only two teams still in play right now are the dominican summer league padres who are still doing great not not doing as well as like they first started out with her. I think they were like 21 and six. Yeah. Uh, and the El Paso Chihuahuas are still playing. They're, they're coming to an end in their really rough season. None of the Potters minor league affiliates ended up making the playoffs this year for the first time in a very long time. But that, that's what happens when you are forced to trade away a ton of prospects. And that's what happens when you try and win at the major league level. So uh, I still think this farm system is good. It's nowhere near where it once was, where it was number one or number two uh, by the rankings along there with the Rays. But there's only a couple teams that win at the major league level and have those really good farm systems. And it's become fairly evident this year that the Potters are not as well run as those teams are, like the Astros, the Dodgers, or the Rays. So uh, there's a lot of talent in the farm system. A lot of these guys that played in the Dominican Summer League this year that hadn't played yet, a lot of those guys in the uh, the Arizona Complex League that hadn't played yet when these standings were last updated have killed it. So the Potters Farm System, I'd imagine it's going to be up near the top 10 when these rankings come out uh, at the end of the year. But uh, the farm system, don't don't panic on it. That, that's what I'd say. 
Yeah, no, they're 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 producing still, and and the the best thing about it is the the majority of their talent is at the lower level, so they're only gonna probably raise in the standings, and and uh, the failures of this year will produce a higher draft pick, right, Dominic? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry again. There's the there's the the nervous laugh again. Uh, yeah. Um, so maybe we should be tanking, right? We should be tanking these last. Uh, well, there's there's no reason that the guys that are hurt or playing through injuries should still be playing right now. I mean, you have guys like Denelson Lament. No reason Denelson Lament should be pitching at this point. Put him on the injured list. I don't or know. Just, I don't know if they're showcasing them or what for trade or what, but I have I've had that. Who one, who one on year. earth would trade for Denelson Lament at this point? It's so evident that his arm is jacked up, and obviously, like you know, you maybe if you want to like throwing a low risk high reward uh, prospect there and like try and hope that you can get to know someone at the pitch you like 50 solid innings out of the bullpen next year. But I, his arm is so jacked up. He hasn't been great out of the bullpen, which sucks because a lot of Padre fans have hyped him up a lot out of the bullpen and he hasn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, but okay, so we're, uh, we're talking about injuries. What about Tatis? Do you think Tatis should have that shoulder surgery now or what? Or do you think <sighs> that, he's just adding on to his potential MVP run and, and just, and, and just securing that, if you will. Well, he's not going to NL MVP at this point, uh, which I think stinks because he had such a good year and he was absolutely killing it before he got hurt again. Like he was going to run away with it, but Bryce Harper's had such a good second half. Juan Soto's had such a good second half that I think both those guys might've passed him out. This point. might take some votes from him uh, on the Padres themselves. I don't think so. I mean, Machado might get some top 10 votes, but that's probably about it from that point. Fernando's probably going to get a lot of third place votes, a couple of seconds and maybe a few firsts, but uh, I don't know if he should still be playing at this point. I mean, I think the more reps you can get him at shortstop at this point, the better, but it seems to me like, even if he like, if his shoulder pops out again, they're just going to pop it back in and he's going to be out for a, two weeks or so. So I, I don't think that playing him at shortstop at this point is hurting him long-term. Then again, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. We, yeah. We, I, there's sadly there's worse issues uh, than Fernando Tatis's shoulder within this team. And, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. We have uh, approximately, what is it? There's three, six, nine games left. Is there nine games left? Nine uh, games? It's, it's 10 because yeah. they have that. Yeah. Two and that two and a half inning game against the Braves. Okay, so ten games left. Uh, we can only hope that this team is able to finish above five hundred. I think that'll be a moral victory for this team. But with their last six games in uh, San Francisco and L.A., it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Padres and you can win both games on Friday somehow, all of a sudden you're four games over five hundred with eight to go then I think you're feeling much better about your situation of finishing above 500 or even just 500. Please yeah. don't have a losing season. Everyone's like, Oh, well now at this point, let's just tank for that higher draft pick. I mean, you're going to move up three spots on the draft board. Like please finish above 500. Feel like it's that way we can hang the banner that says winning season 2021. Ugh. Just kidding. But please win. Uh, and like watching the game on Thursday, a uh, good friend of mine, He's a big Giants fan. We were watching the game together. 
And like, I was just laughing when the Padres spawned. I'm like, Hey, we won. Like, it wasn't like what it felt like to win these games a couple of weeks ago. Like, it was just like, all right, you know, we won. Cool. That was nice. But season's over. There's a 1% chance the Padres make the playoffs as we're recording this Friday afternoon. The Cardinals won again. That's now 13 straight wins for them. Yeah. They, oh, man. The Cardinals again. Yeah. Oh, wait, what are you going to do? It, it's, it's been a utterly. They better not waste this. But at the same time, there's a 50% chance the Padres win as many playoff games as the Giants or the Dodgers because one of them is going to be thrown to the fire against this Cardinals team. That is hot. And if you lose that game, guess what? You didn't win any playoff games. Same spot as the Potters. Obviously, they're going to look at things much, much, much differently. But at the same time, like if the Potters somehow snuck in, they would have a 50% chance of not winning that playoff game. Yeah. And, and then those two teams are going to end up playing each other if, if, if they both advance. And uh, it is what it is. Uh, the San Diego Padres are not going to make the playoffs in 2021. And if you asked me that, Two months ago, I would have said you were lying. I, I don't know what to do, Dominic. I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be a interesting off season. You have to figure that there's going to be moves. Uh, will Jace Tingler make it to the end of this year? We'll have to wait and see. Um, coaching staff moves, uh, player personnel moves. There's going to be some moves within the organization. Uh, I, I I would expect that to happen uh, within the coming weeks. Uh, folks, this is episode number 148. We hope to be back uh, next before the season wraps. We'll, we'll try to get something in next week. Um, maybe there'll be some hot topics to discuss then. Uh, Dominic, go ahead and take us out. I don't think there's much else to discuss. We kind of just uh, tore down the Padres and did some uh, therapeutic uh, talking to get us through the day. Yeah, it's been a long month and a half ever since uh, August 11th. But at the end of the day, we're all still Potters fans. I think this is a season we're going to look back on. There were a lot of good memories. Obviously, the last month and a half, there have not been. Uh, I don't think there's even been like, you know, one, the Jake Cronenworth game-tying home run. It's about all that stands out to me. Exactly. But, I can't even good memories, right? <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully, I can look back on the season in a couple of years and say I went to 20 wins at Petco Park over that summer. But yes. that, that's about it. Uh, it sucks, but still a lot of talent. You got to tell yourself, Hey, still Manny, still Fernando, still Cronenworth, still Grisham, who has been battling injuries this year. Who knows if he just hasn't been good because of injuries there. There's a lot to be optimistic about, but, uh, there's been a lot of stuff for the last month and a half that has made us question a lot of the stuff that we previously thought leading up into August. So thank you all for tuning into the Potters East Village Times podcast. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me at DMSTURN19. You can find James at EVT underscore J Clark. And you can follow us at East Village Times. Uh, that's at EVT underscore news. Check out our content, eastvillagetimes.com, Aztecs football season. It's underway. They're 3-0. Uh, they're looking good so far, especially on defense, which is what they've come to do. Uh, we're also starting our Aztecs basketball preview. Uh, soon the loyal their season's still going strong so obviously we'll have Padres content all off season at eastvillagetimes.com it's the place to be for all your san diego sports news we thank you all for tuning in we will catch you next episode go padres